0: Welcome to 242, podcast of the Buffalo Vineyard Church. We talk about things that are relevant to our lives as followers of the way of King Jesus. This is episode nine. I'm talking with Christy Letterber about parenting, uh, raising good people, building and forming human beings. So we talk about uh, what well, we start with, just why should non-parents care about parenting? And then um, talk a little bit about parenting philosophy, Christy's. Parenting Philosopher, Christian Ryan's Parenting Philosophy. We talk about risk, responsibility, and strength. We talk about the idea of shepherding the heart, paying attention to the character of our children. We talk about parenting different kids differently. We talk about how the church helps and hurts the parenting process. We talk about forming kids into adults who can thrive in our world. We talk a little bit about school and different options for schooling. And then we finally talk a little bit about uh, parenting our children along gender lines, how are boys and girls different. I hope you enjoy. All right. So, Christy, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit for all of our many, many, many listeners?
1: Hi, Amanda. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Christy, oh. Christy knows the joke.
1: Uh. Yeah, so I'm Christy, uh, married to Ryan. Uh, and it's important for the purpose of this podcast to note that we have three kids, mm. ages ten, eight, and five, and uh, we've been going to the vineyard for a couple of years now, mm. through the craziness that has been COVID in the past <laughs> year and a half. Um, yeah, what else do you want to know?
0: Mm, let's see if. If somebody got to know you, what are some of the things that you think would be most obvious to them about just kind of who you are and what matters to you?
1: Mm-hmm. That I love flowers. <laughs> everyone has that as my identity now. You know, I help with the flowers that we do over at Five Loaves Farm and have a little side business. Not right now, mm-hmm. um, but uh, also that I love to cook and that our house is pretty much like an open door to all our friends all the time. (laughs) Just like people come in and stop by and I'll feed them and, (laughs) um,
0: and send them with flowers
1: and yeah, probably give them flowers too, (laughs) you know, and I homeschooled our kids. So I think that's going to probably play into this conversation somewhat, but now we're choosing to send them to uh, a school in our neighborhood this fall. and uh, I think that's about, that's like the capsule.
0: Okay. So what, what are some things about you that, are really important to who you are, but maybe people wouldn't even know that about you unless you shared it with them.
1: Like to people like my friends wouldn't know about me or like general.
0: I don't know. Yeah. Like if somebody's like getting to know you, they're like, Oh, you do flowers and Oh, okay. Like you're into this and that, but like, these are the things that are maybe more, I don't know.
1: Uh, I don't know probably like i really like to have really digging deep conversations with people and uh so like i've enjoyed a book club that i've been a part of this Mm -hmm. past year and uh just really like to sort of hash things out and think deeply about things in life sometimes to the point that ryan's exhausted of it (laughs) (laughs) so i gotta find other outlets for that
0: that's funny okay so so we'll start there but then we'll get into the because we were going to talk about parenting and make sure make sure you keep your microphone right on your right on your face there all right this is this microphone etiquette so so you talked about you and ryan like this is something that so i'd ask you what's important about yourself that people might not know and you talked about like having these like deep conversations but then you also talked about like you and ryan not actually sharing that too much with each other
1: I'd, I'd say we share it a lot. It's okay. just that uh, I have a limitless capacity for talking about it. And okay. I i recently, you s- probably you wouldn't even know this about me, Steve, because right around the time that we started to become friends, mm. uh, I started to feel a lot more confident in asserting my opinions or <laughs> like expressing myself. I finally decided to stop just kind of being like polite and easy to get along with. And mm. I'm not sure what brought about that change exactly. So you haven't seen, like, old, shy, quiet Christy. I
0: only know the fun, feisty version. Okay.
1: But um, I think Ryan would, like, doesn't like tense conversations or conflict. He's very, like, conflict avoidant, and I am not. So uh, sometimes when I want to have those hard conversations, it's better if he's not around. That's why whenever I punch
0: him, he doesn't punch me back. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Sorry, Ryan, I'll stop punching you.
1: So, you know, like if I, if we're like having a great conversation, I think it's a great conversation with friends and I'm like pumped and I feel like, you know, Mm. like my blood is rushing. I'm just like, we talked about so many great things and he has like several hours of anxiety afterwards where he has to recover from like the stress of feeling like people are going to be mad at each other or yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: So I have to, I have those conversations without him around sometimes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I guess part of the reason why I keyed in on that is, um, I think it's important to note. So, so clearly if you and Ryan had nothing in common, that would be a problem, but it's also, I think important that, you know, I don't know, we walk into marriage knowing that you don't have to have everything in common either. And that like, sometimes we have that kind of like, like the word soulmate, which basically means, you know, you complete me in every Mm -hmm. way. And you know, like we do, do we do everything together or, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that kind of, but I, I just, when I heard you say that and it, I mean, part of the reason why I keyed in on it is I would say that Tammy and I are like that, I, that valuing of like chasing down ideas and having deep conversations about ideas constantly all the time drives my wife nuts. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not really something that we share, but like, I love her a ton and she loves me and we have a wonderful marriage. This is just one thing that is something that I'm passionate about and I find a group of friends to do with and not with her.
1: Yep. Sounds about right.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, so we were going to talk about parenting and I sent you a list of questions. And so we could start, if you want to pick a place to start, we can, but you lead the way. All right. So I'm I'm new at this. You're an old pro. (laughs) Old pro. I'm an old pro at talking. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, it's good to know. So the, I think kind of the question that I want to get at is, um, like parenting philosophy. Um, and, um, but I, so I guess like maybe that—that the, which is probably too broad for me to just say, Christy describe <laughs> you and Ryan's parenting <laughs> philosophy. But if you were going to point at some, um, you know what, let's do it this way. What are some things that you and, or Ryan, um, in, in being parented as kids, right? So mm-hmm. things that your parents did or his parents did that either you were like, man, I, I, we do it the same way because it was so good or Mm -hmm. we will never do that because it was so (laughs) bad. Like, what are some of those things that like (laughs) lessons you learned, either positive or negative from being parented that have like translated into the way that you guys parent?
1: Oh boy. Um, so I think the, the thing that sticks out the absolute most to me is uh, I'd have to like give credit to my mom for mm. being just the most fantastic listener and conversationalist and friend to me as I was growing up. I had a lot of trouble with friends all through elementary and high school student. I feel like I always somehow got embroiled in drama and like she would just listen to all my problems and give me really godly advice and um, really like shaped how I could understand the world in order to like try and be kind Um and so i'd say like that sticks out to me as the most vivid thing of like what i aspire to as a parent of uh from what my parents did um i'd say my growing up was like filled with jesus mm. <laughs> from the mo- i was a pastor's kid mm. uh from the moment like i went to a christian school from kindergarten through 12th grade every week we learned scripture and memorized it and we were obviously at church every time the doors were open. And so, like, there's just, like, so much, like, good in that of, like, being filled up. I think we, we have, like, kind of talked or referred to this before, of just, like, filled up with that, like, knowledge of God and the Bible and that love. And um, I think in some ways I am a little bit sad that our kids haven't had that because yeah. just it hasn't worked that we've gone to churches that have had the resources to, like, totally have all the children's programs all the time. And there's not a Christian school nearby that we're like able to send our kids to or whatever. So like, I mean, I don't know that we would send them to Christian school anyways right now, but just point being uh, that's something that I would also probably aspire to. But I think that in, and I think Ryan had a very similar sort of um, lots of church sort of growing up, like just knew the Bible stories all along and was always there when the church doors were open and, but I think that something we would change about that for our kids would be just, or at least I could see this for myself, that um, they wouldn't get so comfortable with it that it becomes rote at a very early age. Mm. That They think they know all the answers and that everything is so simple and straightforward and clear cut and like, so in some ways I'm like wishing they had more of that filling up of godliness within them, but also... Um, I just do have sort of a caution about like overdoing it.
0: Yeah. No, I, I understand that. So, all right. I'm, we're going to come back to the question of like parenting philosophy and lessons you've learned. Mm-hmm. But but I actually, I, we should have started here. So we had we had a little exchange about like what we were going to talk about. And first we were going to talk about parenting. And then you're like, well, maybe we should talk about something else because maybe people who aren't parents won't be interested in this. <laughs> but so if, I mean, I'm assuming that, at least one person other than Amanda will listen to this. And maybe that person will be somebody who's doesn't have kids or doesn't have kids yet. Like why, from your perspective, why does a conversation about parenting have relevance to people who aren't, aren't yet parents? Mm. Does it, does it matter? Or should we tell them to go away?
1: It, uh, I mean, it really matters. (laughs) I feel like, I mean, for one to think about what you value uh, like, or what was like good or bad about the way you grew up, right? Mm. Even if they don't have their own kids, but also like, I would say the other thing that has been super helpful in Ryan's in my life is all our friends who don't have kids who've just been pouring so much into our kids. Like there's a lot of things. My kids know that I, I'm like, how did you learn that? Like like, who taught Emily how to shoot a basketball? I don't know. I think maybe Rebecca, but (laughs) like, uh, I don't know who taught Maggie to tie her shoes. Like, there are things that like these other adults that are in their lives have like given them some sort of gift or talent or knowledge or insight. And I'm like, that's amazing. I'm glad I don't have to do it all by myself because there's so much that, um, so much goodness that I don't have time and energy for, but has come from other people. Yeah. And so like anyone that is interacting with the kid ever should have some thoughts about what are healthy ways to do that? What are, ways that we can like encourage growth in this child and not just like do things for them or, Mm. you know? Yeah. So, okay. I mean, that's not a great answer, but I feel like it.
0: That's good. That's (laughs) a good answer. Yeah. That, I mean, what I heard you say is that, um, certainly as believers who are in community with each other, that means that even if we don't have our own kids, we're still in community with kids. And there are people that we're supposed to be loving like we love anybody else in our church community. And, um, but well, I guess all relationships are formative in some sense. Like Mm -hmm. you have certainly influenced me and I think I've probably influenced you and hopefully we are influencing each other in good directions. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but, um, but even more so with kids, Mm -hmm. right. Cause they are, you know, the younger they are, the more impressionable they are to the adults in their lives. And, so we should be thoughtful about how our influence on the children in our community is that shaping them in positive ways or, or negative ways. Is it, you know, like how, how are we shaping these people because mm-hmm. they're people and we're shaping them. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah. Even just one other little tiny example that pops into my head is like a friend that has a lot of good kids books in her house and then shares them with us. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have kids, but she's a teacher. And so she that's cool uh, gives those to us and like that, shapes what my kids are exposed to and like yeah. I don't know it's beautiful yeah cool yeah
0: okay so we should have done that first but we'll <laughs> we'll come back to the, the the question of like parenting lessons or parenting philosophy and like I'll even key in on something you said you said something about just in passing like not doing things for kids that they can do for themselves something like mm-hmm. that right so that's that's a part of your parenting philosophy mm-hmm. so talk more about that
1: Oh, man, it's, like, the hardest thing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think both Ryan and I like some sort of uh, semblance of order and control and structure. And so, like, there are so many times when it would just be easier to do things ourselves than teach the kids to do them Mm. or to, like, you know, something they're expected to do, like rinse their dishes after lunch. If if they're already out playing with their friends, like, do I really call them back into the house to do this 15-second task or do I just do it for them? And, Mm. um? Uh, I mean, homeschooling my kids, teaching them how to read. The biggest thing is being patient and giving them the time that they need to work those little details out and stuff. And so I guess, yeah, that's a big part of my parenting philosophy of what I strive to do, but definitely fail a lot. Um, But just trying to like let them learn to struggle and to... Mm like experience the pain of that, even to the point of like, sometimes there are tears. Okay. A lot of times, honestly, in <laughs> homeschool. <laughs> are <laughs> like, they like yours math? or theirs or <laughs> Ryan's crying? Everyone's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Five people crying <laughs> in the letter house. Oh, they must be doing school. Exactly. That's amazing.
1: Uh, no, but like if, if they, the more you jump in and save them, the less they learn to like do for themselves. And um, the less, they're willing to struggle and it's just a vicious cycle. So.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask why, like, why is that important? And you just answered why, but talk more mm. about that, that like, that struggle leads to the, the willingness to embrace struggle and to push into it is actually what leads to development and growth. And the, you know, the, the unwillingness to push into struggle actually ends up, you know, kind of like, uh, like neutering your kids. Mm-hmm. Like talk about that.
1: I, I think you just nailed it. But I, I think you just summarize. Like that's what it is.
0: So tell a tell a story or yeah, talk more about that. Mm. How did you learn that?
1: Well, okay, so I have to give like a shout out to like the education philosophy that we kind of used for homeschool was uh, okay. Charlotte Mason approach. She's okay, this like woman from England in the early nineteen hundreds, and it's totally like really. Um, on the surface, it looks like super outdated and British and like not that great. But then like.
0: Is that why you were attracted to it? <laughs> Yeah, probably. You're like outdated and British. Yes. That's for the Letterber exactly. family. <laughs> Sucked me in.
1: Uh, no, but then you start reading her works and she has like such a complex philosophy of education and really like a household and what a household should be. And um, one of her things is like you as education, you lay a feast in front of the child and you give them all of the good gifts of beautiful literature and art, and um, and then you like and en- enable the child to like partake of that feast themselves and choose what they want of that feast. And so it's like instead of trying to like stamp each child into a certain conformity of like you will have this skill by this age and you will do that by this time, and, like you just encourage their natural growth and abilities. Um, it sounds kind of wishy-washy, but like, it's so beautiful to be freed from just the structure of like, every kid has to do certain things by a certain time. Right. Yeah. And, um,
0: that sounds like what I wish would have happened to me in school. Right. Honestly, it doesn't sound wishy-washy at all.
1: Yeah. So her thing, I mean, part of her thing is like struggling is like letting kids, uh,
0: that definitely doesn't sound wishy-washy
1: <laughs> like, like not jumping in to do it for them. Uh one funny little example is like when you're teaching them math, you don't say, "Oh, you're close" or something like that. You're like, "No, that's wrong." Because like <laughs> there is no wishy-washy in math, right? There's right. just like right or wrong. And so you you're just very clear with them of like you got the wrong answer. Like you mm-hmm. can say, "What was your process? Do you think you used the right process?" But you don't you don't soften it for them. Um in in little ways like that and just So Charlotte Mason education, it also has, she has like a lot of stuff about the home and how it should be orderly and thus that like also affects how we like raise our children to like do tasks and expect them to keep a certain amount of structure and order in the rooms and whatever. So I don't know. She's, she's got a lot of good insight.
0: No, that's awesome. So I, this is where, again, like the conversation about parenting and why it matters to non-parents everything that you just said doesn't just apply to kids in a school context. Like that's, that's just good, basic human psychology. Mm. That's just how, you know, cause that applies to me as a 43 year old guy, (laughs) not just, you know, as a five-year-old in my parents' house, if I'm, you know, unwilling to do hard things or it's like, yeah, that just makes me weak. (laughs) I'm still being formed. (laughs) Aren't we all? Right. Well, yeah. So, um, What else is part of your, your, let me ask you this here. This is, this is like a more specific question. So, and, and as a parent, uh, who is also married, like the way that those two things intersect is always interesting and it's definitely something that I see with other people. You know, I I watch people and I'm like, Oh, you, you just like cut the feet out from under your husband or your wife Mm. with your kids or, you know what I mean? Like that whole thing where it's, and so the question is like, how do you and Ryan co-parent, right? (laughs) Like, how does that work? Um,
1: Oh, so when you said this question to me, I, like, thought about it a lot. And I think the quintessential example is that, like, he's a little more strict than what I am. And I, so, like, I was thinking about it. Like, if we saw our kid doing something risky on the monkey bars, hmm. his philosophy would be, if this is going to end them up in the hospital, I don't want them to do it. And my philosophy might be a little more along the lines of, can this do any permanent damage or will they recover eventually? <laughs> right. So like I feel like that's sort of like the like for everything, right? Yeah. So like if I'm like, you have to clean up before you go outside and play with your friends, Ryan will be like looking at their bedroom and making sure that everything is like finished. Whereas I'm a little more lenient and like, uh, do you really do a good job? Okay, go. Like, um so I think uh the like sort of balance of strictness and whatever is like, I have to learn to uphold the things that are really important to him about the things they need to follow through on. Cause I would always just, I'm just a pushover sometimes with like uh, wanting them to be happy and wanting them to not feel like I'm like telling them what to do all the time. And yeah so I think that's where we have to like work out that tension. And I think there are a lot of times where he would just toe the line at like, no, like, we're not going to do that activity, or I'm too tired, or that's a little too chaotic. And I'm like, just let them have a little wiggle room. A great example of this is when they go up to get ready for bed. Sometimes Maggie and Charlie are just bouncing off the walls, like wreaking havoc. You can hear thuds and laughter and (laughs) crying. And he's sitting there about to lose his mind. And I'm like, they obviously have energy left to burn off. Let's just like <laughs> let them do it until somebody gets hurt. <laughs> uh, so okay. I, I, I don't know if that answers your question. I think it does. Sort no, of that like, well,
0: so what I heard is that you guys have some differences in, in your, like maybe underlying temperaments as people mm-hmm. that manifest in different desires around, you know, how to handle your kids behaviors and maybe even some like di- maybe subtle, but subtle differences in your philosophy
2: Mm -hmm. so my question Mm -hmm.
0: is then what what do you do with that when you when so when ryan is like no they can't climb that thing and you're (laughs) like no i think they should who who like does ryan win do you win i mean how does
1: it go with you and tammy uh
0: i would say because we have similar differences Mm -hmm. that's Um, why i'm asking (laughs) yeah right um although we're not put together the same way you guys are Mm -hmm. but we have some of those same differences and i think both of us are willing to bend to each other for sure. And there's areas where, you know, like Tammy will defer to my experience and I'll defer to hers. Um, I think the thing, like probably the rule that we have instituted with each other that for the most part, we probably applied it. We probably followed it 90% of the time is that, um, we make decisions together and then we implement those decisions with the kids. Um, and the rule that also c- like kind of the corollary is if, if mom already answered this question for you mm. and you are asking me, you're in trouble. That is, you key. are, you are in <laughs> trouble, buddy. Cause you already got an answer <laughs> and now you're coming to ask me for the answer. So like the, like the, the, that philosophy of, you know, it's us against the kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah,
1: I'd say we have a similar sort of thing in our household too, mm-hmm. but, um, definitely like the, the like deferring to each other in the various circumstances depending on you know how everyone's feeling or like you said if there's areas where one or the other of us knows a little more about it or yeah. whatever like ryan doesn't like try and tell me what uh, homeschool curriculum i should like pick for them or something but yeah. he'll help them with their math or you know yeah
0: yeah yeah i mean like the risk thing is and you know we've talked about it like our families mm-hmm. also, our respective families have different approaches towards risk. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, but also like Tammy and I, like you and Ryan, have different different perspectives on what constitutes acceptable risk for our children. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there, the this was, I don't even know how many years ago now, but we bought a trampoline mm-hmm. and it had a net around it so that you couldn't fall out, which was really important for Tammy that it had a net. And I was on board with it having a net. So, uh, the Kaufman's, this is when we were living at the Kaufman house. So we put it in the backyard right next to the Kaufman's had already bought this kind of like swing set, like climbing thing. Right. And, um, it had a, so it had like a, you go up the stairs and then there's a platform and then there's a roof on top of the platform. So the kids, once we bought the trampoline, they were climbing up the stairs onto the platform and then on top of the roof so that they could get high enough to jump up and over the net onto the trampoline but they had to jump up over the net, right? And oh. so Tammy sees them out the window doing this and she starts screaming, "No, you can't do this." And I turned to her and I said, "No, like they can do this. They can totally do this. This is acceptable, <laughs> right?" And so that turned into like this conversation. I mean, we had we've probably had that conversation a ton where yeah. it's like they might break an arm. Yeah. They might break an arm. Like that's how you know you had a good childhood is you broke your arm. <laughs> so yep. but but like you said, I definitely I I don't want the arm to come off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As long as you still have an arm when we're done.
0: I want it to be, to return to full strength and be functional for the rest of your life. But if you break Um, one, it's okay.
1: I mean, there's always that risk when you break your arm, that you know, it might not. That is true. Yeah. So I, yeah. No, that's That's totally
0: true. (laughs) Yeah. And that's where, yeah different people have different, different values around that. Yeah. But it seems like, yeah, you guys, that you're having conversations about whether it's risk or, mm-hmm. you know, following the rules or or whatever it is, you know, responsibility or that like the places where you and Ryan maybe don't see completely eye to eye, you're talking to each other, mm-hmm. making decisions together about how to handle that, and then presenting united front to your kids around what the decision is. Yeah. Why is that important? Mm.
1: I mean, you kind of hit on that when you were saying how you guys do that, right? Um but i so i'll throw out another resource here cuz i've been i was thinking that i wanted to bring this up in this conversation but um there's a book called shepherding a child's heart mm. have you ever heard of it no huh okay
0: it sounds in, in like i'm intrigued already though okay
1: uh trip is the last name of the author i can't remember cuz there's a couple different a uh, ted or david or something anyways i think it it definitely shaped are my parenting for sure. I think Ryan, yeah, Ryan definitely read it too. Um, And the idea that like the parent is the authority over the child, but not in like a, overlord sort of way like that authority Shucks. is bestowed from god i know right it's hard sometimes you want to use it in that way of like do- i'm your
0: overlord son you Go will do, do what i say yeah
1: do oh. this for me do that don't do this
0: That's also one of the things that tammy and i disagree on oh yeah Is i'm i'm the overlord and she's like no you're a jerk
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: i'm pretty sure she's right <laughs> that's amazing yeah
1: oh Yeah, so this book talks about, like, you know, God has given us this authority. And I think this also ties in with the Charlotte Mason philosophy a little bit, too. But, like, as young children especially, like, when they're really little, they need, like, a firm authority. Mm. Like, gracious, loving, kind, of course. Right. But, like, they actually need for their growth and development uh, firm boundaries and to know what those boundaries are. And, like, to not be united is to, like, totally destroy that authority, right? Yeah. And to constantly be changing the uh finish line or, you know, changing the rules or the parameters of what they're allowed to do based on our moods or our will is just like mixing them up and not respecting them as a human being that like and what they need. And so like just accepting that like God has given us authority over our children um And in that authority, we are to be shepherds, not overlords, you know? And like, so sometimes that means not even, and I think this might be a little bit different than sort of an older mindset of parenting, but that means not just expecting them to conform outwardly to the things that are acceptable or appropriate. Like, like, you're really annoying me, but it's not about me being annoyed. It's actually about this is a behavior that is annoying or harmful or hurtful to the people around you and you need to not do something that is not considerate and loving right so like as parents we can tend to want to just get our kids to conform or obey because it's more convenient for us but shepherding their heart means thinking about their best interest and helping them understand why they need to um comply or like change their behavior and really just like that doesn't mean you don't have consequences. It, in fact, it does mean you do have consequences, right? Like, because you're teaching them those boundaries. And um, yeah, I think I've...
0: No, that's... So that's exactly why that the title of the book was interesting to me is is you started talking about it, which is... so it's easy to get caught up on behavior with your kids. Cause mm-hmm. it's, it's the noticeable thing, you know? At, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. When the kids were like two or three, actually, I don't think Zoe did this, but definitely both the boys. Zoe's and, always been perfect. <laughs> yes. It's the only thing that's wrong with her is that she's perfect. <laughs> if you're listening to this, Zoe, you know exactly what that means. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yes. I probably shouldn't talk too much about her. Um, but but So she might have done it a little bit, and it's something that almost all kids do, is they will make these noises that just make the hair on the back of your neck stand up, right? Mm-hmm. And um, we did not allow that in our house. It's like, that noise, you will never make that again. And then, I mean, that was when it was like, I am your overlord, you uh-huh. will not make this noise. And and I think that's okay, because even though, like, it it, it actually cuts against what I'm about to say, there is, to some degree, like even though you're not doing that out of any kind of malicious nature it's actually dangerous for you to make noises like that cuz somebody's going to hurt you for making that mm-hmm. noise at some point so you just got to stop mm-hmm. right like you can't uh-huh. do that so it is like it's appropriate but but i think what that shepherding the heart idea is that like we're tempted as parents to only correct behavior. Mm -hmm. And if that's all you correct, you're not actually shaping this person. You're just making them palatable to be around for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's, that might, that might not be the worst thing to do, but it's definitely missing out on all of this, this opportunity to help this young human Mm -hmm. become a healthy person at some point in their lives so yeah, talk more about that either from the book or from your own experience, but just that like the need to go beyond just like addressing behavior and actually addressing character issues and, you know, understanding, understanding how to do that or why that matters or.
1: Hmm. Sorry, this wasn't on the list of questions. So no. I'm having to dig a little deeper here. Um, I mean. So I guess like something that you said, it's like that noise will cause someone else to want to punch you in the face. So <laughs> <Right. laughs> I don't know why there's so much punching on this podcast, but it just seems to it's, be.
0: I don't know. When Christy comes on the podcast, <laughs> there's a lot of punching talk.
1: Um, but so like, I think like the idea of raising little human beings that are pleasant to be around is kind mm-hmm. of like an important part of like sh- the formation and shaping them. But if you raise them to be only pleasant to be around, you create people pleasers, right?
0: Yeah, or, if you're, or manipulators and liars. Oh yeah. Either or. You could or go both.
1: real far with right. that. Like, if you only want them to be liked and likable, uh, then you're teaching them the wrong set of values, right? Yeah. Um, so shaping their heart means a sort of a consider, a, like a I would hope a godly consideration for the other. And learning to like put um, others first when you don't feel like it. Learning to identify when you're being selfish. I think that's actually one of the hardest things, well, for everyone, right?
0: No, no, I, I know how to. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just am never selfish.
1: Okay, when you write the book, I'll, I'll read your <laughs> secret. Um,
0: that was a joke. <laughs> All right.
1: No, but like one of our children in particular has a very hard time realizing when they are actually uh totally acting out of like selfishness because they think they're such a they think they're trying to do good or being good or whatever and i think i i can identify that because i was that way as a kid a little bit of like I, i'm trying to be good and then like like teaching them to see that like yeah you are a sinful creature, and it's okay that you are a sinful creature, and a sinful creature that maybe wants to make this really annoying sound that brings joy only to you and nobody else around you, right? But in consideration for others, we we have to stop those behaviors that are hurtful or annoying or um, harmful or, you know. So I guess, yeah, like trying to have... Um, a godly sense of everything good that you have has come from God and you, it's a gift you've been given and we want to nourish those gifts and, and build those up. And all of the things that are evil and sinful about you are, that's human and that's okay because God can give you grace and forgive those things. But like, uh, as a parent just trying to call out the, the good and make them understand that, you know, um, the sinfulness doesn't make them the most wretched thing in the world, which is another thi- thing that I think kids quickly jump to, right? They're so easily shamed um, when they see something like they've done that's like horrible or very wrong and like, no, no, it's okay. God has grace for that too.
0: Yeah. So that idea of addressing heart issues or character issues as opposed, I mean, obviously that ties into addressing behavior too. So I, it's probably a little bit of a false dichotomy to talk about character versus behavior, but, but it is different. Like one's internal mm. and one's external. One mm-hmm. has to do with what you're doing in the moment. Whereas the other has to do with a pattern of, of desires that cause a pattern of behaviors. And so like what Well, I I can't ask a good question. So I'll just tell you what, like kind of what some of my experiences are and ask you to respond. So definitely within the context of school, we, we have had this happen a lot, but also like with other parents, I've seen this same kind of, um, I guess blindness is the right word. And, but whereas for like Tammy and I, this has been such an important part of our parenting philosophy that, that we've learned as parents, but also then have tried to apply again, however good we do, but this, this idea of like paying attention to character and heart issues as opposed to behavior and that behavior is a manifestation of character, but the issue is character. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is, is that, you know, so for example, one of our kids was incredibly disruptive in the classroom mm-hmm. and um, really for the most part, it was just because they're hyper Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, so like, teen, so obviously there's one of the boys, so teeny or uh, preteen boys, you know, like, like middle school boys, super normal. Not all of them are this way, but a lot of them are, they just have a hard time sitting down. They they're busy, they're active, they, you know, and so, and now that's not acceptable, right? Cause it's mm-hmm. disrupted to the classroom environment. So it clearly can't be accepted and it must be addressed but it's also not a character issue at all. Like they're not trying to hurt anybody right now. It is a developmental issue. It is a behavioral issue. These are problems. They can't be accepted, but there's a big difference between a kid who is spitefully sabotaging the teacher's agenda for the day Mm -hmm. and somebody who is like, you know, squirrel. Oh, look what's going on over there. (laughs) Right. Totally different. Right. Oh yeah. And, and, and so for us, Whenever we would get a note home, and so there was like two, a two-year period where we're getting notes home, like sometimes two or three times a day, mm. and so that was always our response is like, well, was like, was he just kind of being silly and you know distracted, or was he like being disobedient and rebellious? Mm-hmm. And the teachers didn't even understand the question. Mm -hmm. Like we stopped trying to figure out and it, which was really disappointing because we're like trying to parent our kid. We're trying to help him grow and help him understand. And, and like you would think that a teacher would get that, but they didn't. And it was so frustrating. And, and not like I've come to see that there are a lot of parents who don't really understand that distinction either, where it's like, again, it's not like you ignore the behavior. Like there are reasons to address the screeching noise that you're making. Right. (laughs) But, but there's also like the, the, The why you're making that noise and are you paying attention to, you know, the, the, you know, is this, is this a kid who knows that this is going to annoy his sister and is doing it anyway? Or is this a kid who's just caught up playing with the Tyrannosaurus Rex doll and is like screeching, you know what I mean? Like what's going on here Yeah, to us has been almost the fundamental act of parenting Mm. has been paying attention to that anyway so that's that's not a question but i I wanted to ask you a question like yeah so like talk about that because like when you said the the title shepherding the heart i'm like oh i think that's what she's talking about and then that is what the book is talking about Mm -hmm. and like that's something that you and ryan have also like built into your parenting and paid attention to so Mm -hmm. talk more about that from your perspective
1: boy i mean i feel like you gave a great illustration um I think learning as a parent, which are the things that are just like selfishly, like again, bothering me or, or what are the actual important things? Yeah. Like that line is. Uh,
0: So sometimes you actually have to put up with the screeching. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that stinks. Yeah. (laughs) Or the like, you know, them having a water fight outside and them splashing water against windows and them fighting constantly about the rules of the water fight. And you're like, okay, so do I intervene or do I just like, let them duke it out and like, let them be kids, you know? Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to know. I'd say that that line is definitely attention that doesn't go away. Right. Like from toddler to teenager. Yeah. Like what's for my selfish comfort or what's, what's ill intent from their heart or what's simple, just like them blundering along, trying to grow up.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. What, so what do you, what I like as parents, what do we miss if we get that wrong? What are the consequences? What
1: do you think? I think uh, you miss shaping what your child's gifts and abilities are because some of the mo- things that are most annoying about them are probably going to be like what? Like maybe your son that like disrupts the class constantly, he's going to be a comedian someday or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so if we only look at it from our our perspective, we we aren't looking to foster like what's good in them and how they could channel those things into uh growth and talent and I don't know just yeah. off the top of my head. What's
0: been like what's been the hardest thing for you guys in trying to actually put that into practice? Like what what are the barriers to actually living that out? That that philosophy.
1: Mm, I think a, a low threshold for chaos. Mm. I remember one time you and I were talking over at the farm and my kids were like running around circles around us and like making noise and i was like guys stop and you're like oh it's fine with me like it's not bothering me you don't have to shush them for my sake and i'm like i can't stand <laughs> it like i'm gonna lose my mind they're like they're making me nuts yeah. so like um i'm sorry the question was what's
0: like what's hard like what where is it hard to actually put this into practice yeah it's or hard
1: what? when like you have personalities everyone in the household has a personality right mm. and so like
0: they have a pill for that <laughs> <laughs> they actually do have a pill for that yes. unfortunately
1: <laughs> yeah they're uh, trying to
0: put every child on it
1: yeah so like instead of trying to stamp them into this like little cookie cutter thing of like and i i think this is something we've talked to uh, in the past to like kind of go a slightly different direction with this about how so many christian girls grew up raised to be nice right and like sweet and <laughs> and yeah, like, Christy, you're not sweet. You? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I met you after you <laughs> lost that sweet veneer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, but, like, so much so that they lose their personality. Like, we've talked about You uh, are
0: sweet, though, Christy. <laughs> oh, thank you. So. Yes.
1: <laughs> but, like, the Enneagram, like, some so many Christian women don't, like, identify as, like, a helper or whatever because that's what they've been stamped cookie-cuttered into from, from just, like, godly values and I don't know why I'm focusing on women but I think it is worse for girls to like just be people pleasers or whatever and so like to think that like in getting them to conform and be nice and whatever how how do we still allow them to be fully themselves and what God created them to be
0: yeah so I think uh, I want to follow both of these threads so you brought up gender and like well, there's three threads. So gender (laughs) you brought up, you also brought up like the way the church informs parenting and informed parenting around gender. Um, but then also you've brought up several times now during this conversation, just the fact that like different kids are different from each other. And so wh- I want to start with the last one, but I want to hit all three of those. So, okay. so like, what have you guys learned about, I mean, obviously you've learned that all three of your children are different. Mm-hmm. That's like, it's, it's shocking, but <laughs> obvious to every parent, you know, it's like when you tell that you're the, it's like, well, duh, like we're all different, mm-hmm. but also it's, it's one of the most important lessons that I think every parent learns is, oh, what worked on this kid is actually destructive to this kid. And yeah, so talk a little bit about that. What's oh, that oh been like gosh. for you guys?
1: So, most quintessential example I can think of is like when our oldest does something wrong and she gets a consequence, the shame and embarrassment she feels at being pointed out that she has done something wrong is worse than the consequence for her, usually. Mm-hmm. Like, she hates that guilt and just, she's embarrassed. It's mm-hmm. humiliating to her. Our youngest child. <laughs>
2: Just the example of like putting
1: away laundry so we have the kids fold certain amounts of their laundry and they're responsible for putting it where it goes right she'll just leave it on the staircase or put it behind a couch pillow
0: ah that's great
1: yeah uh really fun so then we're like okay now you get a consequence because you didn't fulfill your job and i'm like you don't get to play games on the computer tomorrow she's like I don't really like playing games that much. I think I'm not going to play for a week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's
1: beautiful. Uh, <laughs> You're like, what? What the heck? Like, <laughs> this consequence was so uh, impactful that it created a traumatic event for the oldest child, and then for the youngest child, they're like untouched. And so then you have to like adapt. And I have not figured out. Don't even ask me because I do not know what to do about the fact that she is just like t- our youngest is just totally. Uh, unfazed by consequences we're still working on that
0: Mm, you gotta bring back the switch oh oh boy (laughs) I'm just messing with you no No, actually
1: so that's another thing about parenting and I I dare go down this path just briefly I don't really want to spend a long time here but like when Emily was very small we used to spank as a consequence and I had from various parenting things I had read or the way I grew up you know thought that that was appropriate and maybe it was but there came a point when she was probably four or five where, like I said, she has such a uh uh proclivity to feeling shame or mm-hmm. I realized that that was not a good consequence. It was ruining our relationship and uh-huh. it was damaging to her every time I did it. Not just in the damaging, like, oh, it made her cry because she got a consequence or whatever. It was like, there was something very bad about that. And so having to learn, I mean... I don't want to talk about I would not say one way or another whether spanking is like absolutely never or sometimes okay or whatever like I I don't have an opinion on that. I just would say that like that was something that we thought was what parents do when little kids do bad things right. and it was hurting our child in a way that was so t- traumatic and horrible <laughs> so yeah. we stopped and um so I think that's like each child's different, right? Like mm-hmm. that
0: the youngest, you just beat her constantly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It works great. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. I mean, is there anything else you would want to say about, um, well, yeah. So, so you, so you, you gave some examples around kind of like consequences and how that works, but also you've talked a few times during this, this conversation about, like knowing your kids well enough to be able to call out of them like who God has made them to be, mm-hmm. right? So that's also mm-hmm. an element of like there's different who God So talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that too. Like what's that like?
1: Um so Emily decided on her own uh, like a year and a half ago or so to create a newspaper.
2: Yeah,
0: for that's our right. Block that's it's, so cool it was pretty great where did that come from do you think inside of her did she have some sort of an experience or like read something like what how did that how did she that...
1: read the newspaper and it changed her life? no i don't <laughs> um she's always creating something she'll organize the kids on the block to do a christmas play mm. or a circus or you name it she's always ready to organize and i don't know what brought about the newspaper but uh so like then letting her learn how to type and letting her have the laptop and be allowed to use it and giving her the privilege and then spending the hours that it took to like right. help her edit this newspaper and learn how to copy and paste stuff that, you know, eventually you want your kids to have all those skills, but like, she was like nine. Um, so I, I think that would be something where I'm like, okay, we saw something like a glimmer of something in her. And we tried to like foster that and yeah. imperfectly at times, you know, Sometimes she had great ambitions that were far beyond our scope of time and energy to do. Um, yeah. Um, but just like when you, you had asked me in the, the questions you sent beforehand about like what would your greatest hope be for your kid? And so I think this plays into that question that you yeah. just asked of like, I just want them to find what their God's calling is on their life. And God's like gifts and abilities that he's given them and let them just like run full force into that. And I hope that that looks like stuff that is easy for me to approve of or enjoy or yeah. <laughs> um, support easily, but like understanding that.
0: Sorry, Ryan, it's skydiving. <laughs> Your kids are all going to be skydivers.
1: Listen, <laughs> one of my friends has um, a kid who's doing mixed martial arts fighting. And, like, she's so supportive of him in that. And I just think, oh, God, please, no. Like, anything but that. <laughs> <laughs> no, n- not that there's – I'm not judging that. I'm no, just I saying, understand. like, that would be very hard for right. me to, like, encourage my kid to be, like, godly in that arena. Like, right. I'm like, I don't even know how, how you can do that or something. So, right? <laughs> so, like – trying to surrender that starting now. Cause I know it's probably not going to get any easier as they go off and get older and get more independent of like hoping that like what, that they can find what God wants them to yeah. do and be happy in that. And also just that they would be generally, you know, pleasant human beings to be around is also one of my greatest hopes.
0: And God. no screeching.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: yes. You have to discover your vocation in life <laughs> and serve God with all of your heart and not screech. Yeah. Yes. I like those <laughs> rules. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, so, um, yeah, maybe those other, those other kind of trains of thought that, that got picked up there. So, um, you had talked a little bit about the, like the way church and Christian community have informed them. You were specifically talking about gender, but thinking mm-hmm. more broadly about the way the church or a church informed the way you were brought up mm-hmm. um or ryan um but also the way you are parenting and the way your kids are brought up like what are some of the things that you've seen in the church where like man this, this is super helpful to have the church kind of shaping the parenting process that i went through that i'm leading my kids through and then conversely what are some of the things where like man i really wish the church would stop doing this mm. what are some of those things
1: Well, this is something that I I did think a lot about in like preparation for this conversation that I don't know how to handle it because, you know, kids, like I said earlier, especially at the very young ages, like they need such firm boundaries, right? And they need to be sure and they need to have like concrete things. But in the church that can look very much like simplifying everything down to a tidy little moral of the story for every Bible story and sort of this like unquestioning every word of God is inspired and therefore it's true and therefore it's very clear how we should live our lives um thing and so as growing up as an adult that's like I believe the word of God is inspired I do not believe that means it's clear for us Mm. how we should interpret that so if I'm wrestling with that as a parent how do I teach my kid these are the ethics and the the rules by which we live when I'm still trying to figure them out. And how do you, how do you teach your kid to be so sure of God or or just exhibit for them like a, a confidence in God and in faith um when you're like wrestling with those hard things yourself?
0: Yeah. So what I like what I'm hearing you say is that sometimes the church doesn't do a good job of well, actually maybe there's two things going on. Sometimes the church just doesn't do a good job of, of creating room for doubt or nuance mm-hmm. or even honest dialogue with Scripture. So that's just mm-hmm. a larger problem. But then also sometimes the church doesn't do a good job of kind of offering, maybe we could call it like age appropriate, um, I don't know, like discipleship or formation or, mm-hmm. and that like there is, you know, like <laughs> always tell the truth is a great lesson for a two-year-old. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And not that we should be dishonest or manipulative once we're adults, but it is a little bit more complicated when you're older, you know, that like we can come up with scenarios where it's like, okay, well, what about here? Do I have this Mm -hmm. like wooden, you know, kind of commitment to always speaking truthfully, no matter what the consequences are, no matter who's asking, no matter, you know, what's going on or is, Mm -hmm. are there, you know, are there places where it just gets a little bit more complicated and, you, But you wouldn't explain that to a two-year-old. You would just right. tell them, you lied, I'm going to slap your hand or <laughs> I'm going to take away your toy or whatever it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that maybe the church doesn't always do a good job of like, you know, so may, maybe yeah. we're giving teenagers advice for two-year-olds or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, I think growing up, uh, people talk about churches not being able to handle when you have doubts. And I feel like in the Christian environment I grew up in, if you had a doubt about whether God created the world or uh, the historical accuracy of this or that, I mean, there were, there were sermons, there were books. You could, you know, people were fine with that. Like, yeah. you, you could get a book by an apologist that would just answer all your questions and, you know, an encouraging and, and supportive atmosphere for that kind of doubt. Yeah. If there was doubt about how clear the Bible is about what a Christian sexu- sexual ethic is, gotcha that kind of doubt is not okay
0: so was it just the christian sexual ethic or were there other things no too? like because like, i know that's a big topic that
1: is the biggest one I in, think. in some in some christian in circles so that's
0: the only ethic that matters right unfortunately
1: but also no other things so i would say like finances right like if dave ramsey didn't say it we don't believe it no that's not really the environment i had but but sort of you know like the dave's, practical dave's got good stuff some yeah, some. Just...
0: <laughs> That's for another podcast. That, yeah. I was being snarky.
1: Anyway. <laughs> <Thanks>. Okay. Um, <laughs> I only do what Dave tells me to
2: do.
1: <laughs> but like if the practical working out of like finances, sexual ethic, um, how to interact with non Christians, or like if you questioned those things, it was almost heretical, huh. and there was no room to be like, maybe this is more complicated than we thought. Yeah. You know, you you had. Uh, said something about, like, the church preparing kids for the world. Like, do it, like, um, does the church do a good job? And I was thinking, like, no, maybe that's a different topic. I don't know.
0: But no. That's not.
1: Okay, so here's the thing. I always felt, I think I it, it caused me to bristle what to think about that idea because I had this one youth group leader that was always like, when you get out in the real world and, like, acting as if we weren't fully human because we were still within our parents' households and as if we weren't questioning beings that had complex thoughts and Mm. were dealing with problems. And so I think that's a thing that the church can get caught up in is like preparing kids to go out into the real world instead of just being present with them and having conversations so that they realize when their kid is getting past the point of like, you know, never ever tell something that's not absolutely true. Versus the point where they need to start to have some nuance into understanding like tact or, you know, like, like, so maybe the church needs to be having those conversations and being participatory with the children as they grow rather than this, like, we're going to prepare them with all the stories, all the knowledge, all the creeds, all the books by the apologists so that when they get out in the real world, they'll know an answer to everything.
2: Yeah.
1: That was a Big spiel, sorry. No, it's a good
0: spiel. (laughs) So, I don't know where what, to, like there's more there to talk about. That idea Mm -hmm. of the church and I mean that even just kind of like Christian families or Christian communities or the church as a whole, like all of it, helping to shape kids into people who are, um, just prepared for life. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and, and so, so this isn't just about the church. Like this could all, I mean, I think even some of the conversations we were having earlier about, um, like risk and responsibility, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's the same thing because if you, if you shelter your kids from risk and responsibility or one or the other, or both on like at some point you're either committing to parenting them until they die (laughs) Mm-hmm. or you're setting them up for a huge crash, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're going to, they're going to leave your house and then all of the risk or responsibility or both that you were sheltering them from. Mm -hmm. Now they have to feel the weight of all of it and they don't have any understanding of how to navigate it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that could be an issue just for any parents. Mm -hmm. But then when you start talking about what that looks like from, from a faith perspective and even, you know, like doubts about scripture or understand nuanced understandings about what scripture has to say or coming into conflict or um, not conflict contact with um, conflicting ideas about who God is. Or, mm-hmm. and so like, again, I'm not going to like take a two year old and say, you know, here's Buddhism or <laughs> right. It's like there, there's age appropriate ways of of exposing kids to what's in the world. But clearly that's something that we should be doing and that the church should be doing is preparing Uh, You know, again, I know you bristled at that phrase, but like, (laughs) but that, like we want, we want, we would like for Christians to be able to go navigate secular society without crumbling. And so how well do you think the church is doing at that? And, and what are some of the things that for you, you're like, oh, this is really good. That's not so good.
1: So what if we took the the word of like preparing and, and instead of that, we said, what, how do we as a church stay engaged with the kids through their entire growth? and And how do we, instead of feeling like we're sending them off, like, continue to be there to have these conversations when they are struggling so that, like, they know that there are godly people within their Christian community that they can go to when, okay, so maybe when they actually do go off to college or, you know, get a job in a secular setting that they can, like, just instead of preparing as if it's, like, a push-off, just, like, to be continually participating with them yeah. and have those conversations happening. I mean, the, the book group that we've been a part of this past year and a half has been more of an opportunity for me to explore hard questions about faith and how we interact with the world than I think I've ever had um, in my life, except for maybe at college. Cause you know, in a Christian college there is a lot of, of, you know, Bible studies and structure and, and time to talk about big ideas and stuff like that. But like, how do we allow kids to just or encourage them to feel safe coming with questions and, and like, yeah, I don't know.
0: Yes. I think that's good. <laughs> so I just looked at our time. We're like approaching an hour okay. and I've got like way more stuff I want to ask you about. <laughs> um, so, so, we, we could touch on the gender thing, but okay. like what you were just talking about mm-hmm. begs the question about homeschooling versus um, sending kids to to the public schools, which okay. you guys have homeschooled and now you're going to be sending your kids to public school. Mm-hmm. And so at least like explore a little bit with me of why you guys made the decision to homeschool in the first place and what, yeah, why, why did you do it and... Are you happy with the decision? I think yeah. those two questions. Why did you guys decide to homeschool and, and do you feel like you you did, it, did a good thing?
1: Okay. I mean, I'm not going to say I did a good thing that I'm, you know, question all the time if I'm like doing good enough or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the reason we did it uh, partly is just because Buffalo Public Schools were so complicating and overwhelming to us having both come from small towns. And I went to the same school my entire life and Ryan went to the public school, but there's only one option, you know? So the school entry system in this city just seemed daunting to us. Yeah. Um, And I love it. I love it being homeschooling. Yeah. I love it from the moment Emily was a toddler. I was researching how to educate them, how to teach her to read, how to like developmentally appropriate methods. And I read about every single thing that there's out there practically like and I just wanted to. It was a joy to me, and by the grace of God, we could afford to. Like, and there um, were definitely times like that was not like the easiest thing, but it, it felt like it was what was right for our family. And I never intended to do it the whole way, especially, I think, the more I became immersed in the community, even in the amazing community that's on our block, um, and realizing, like, this is, these are our kids' peers. Like, they need to be in they need to have friendships outside of our home you know like they Mm. they need to be part of this community so like we never intended to homeschool them all the way through 12th grade um because we want to participate in the local schools we want to be caring about not just our kids getting a good education but the kids around you know right um so like i loved it it was great and then when i got cancer i couldn't do it anymore ryan took over while i was in the hospital and then like um we just realized like i'm gonna have limited capacity for a while here uh yeah. we're still fighting that battle and so like it just uh, i don't think either ryan or i felt super upset like There's some like grieving of like the freedom as a family that we had and whatever, but we're like, okay, well, this is the time then. It was sooner than we expected, and maybe we would have kept our younger children home for a couple more years, but this is just what we have to do, and we have a good school to send them to. We finally figured out how to navigate the stupid <laughs> Buffalo Schools application process. And
0: <laughs> it took you, whatever, five years?
1: Yeah. By a miracle, managed to get them in. Uh, I mean, there's wait lists and like... We were worried for a while that they weren't going to actually get into any schools. Um, I mean, that or like they'd have to be shipped to some random school across the city or, you know, it all worked out. And so, I mean, I think like part of it was a little bit, I mean, definitely there's a component of like spiritual formation too. Of like, we did have this rich growing up experience of like knowing God and knowing scripture and stuff from a young age. And I just felt like if they were in public school we wouldn't have the energy and time and capacity for all of that. Um, so I, I think that definitely played into it of like trying to give them a foundation of what we care about. Yeah. Um, but now that season is over or at yeah. least for this, for now it's, it's they're going to be in public schools. So yeah. we'll see what comes after that.
0: Cool. Do you have, um, I don't know. Do you have any, any fears about them going to public school?
1: Um, mostly that they'll get COVID. (laughs) Ah, gotcha. (laughs) Because right now that would, that'd be hard. That'd be really awful. Uh, so honestly, I know that there are all sorts of other things like peer pressure or different kinds of teaching and stuff they'll be exposed to. But like, I don't feel worried about that. I feel like we're going to try and keep the dialogue open with our kids, kind of hopefully practicing what I've been preaching this whole, you know, hour that we've been talking of like, being willing to have conversations with them and trusting that you know god's grace will be with them in a less controlled environment than what they've had their whole lives and um mostly just praying that they don't get sick or bring home something that's gonna be really bad for me
0: yeah right (laughs) for sure yeah that's hard well so so can we you want to talk about the gender thing
1: do we have time yeah yeah i mean (laughs)
0: So I we I've been keeping these podcasts to an hour ish, but the, I just ha, uh, interviewed somebody yesterday that was more like an hour and twenty. So okay,
1: so now the bar is set. So the bar
0: is set. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, and you had brought it up within the context of um, the church and the church kind of, from your perspective, often intentionally or unintentionally pushing women into a specific box where they feel like they have to have a certain personality type and Mm -hmm. obviously not all women do. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so you could talk a little bit about church and gender, um, if you want, but how have you, so like clearly you have boys and girls Mm -hmm. and you have been willing to accept that boys and girls are different and that, that (laughs) you're going to raise them differently. Um, on some level, right? Uh, I mean, I, I guess I would, I would, I would probably assume that you, like me, would would see that the biggest differences between your kids is not their gender but their personality. Mm-hmm. But gender is a part of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, talk about what it's been like. Again, you can start with the church question if you want, or you could talk more about just for you and Ryan. You know, how is how is parenting boys different than parenting girls, or how is that factored into the kinds of decisions that you guys have made or the way you've interacted with your kids?
1: Oh man. I mean, I think I'll go first with the parenting one. Just, um, it just honestly has seemed so natural maybe because we grew up in sort of a very standard Christian environment where there were gender roles. And, um, so I've, I've done some things to try and like, uh, combat that a little bit, like, realizing that I'm always asking Emily to help me with dinner, but I don't ask Charlie that I finally realized like, Oh, like it, I want all of my kids, boys and girls to know how to cook or mm-hmm. like, um, part of homeschooling we did was like sewing and just including Charlie in that just as equally as Emily, because I think it's great for a guy to know how to sew if he needs to like fix it. it it's great for everyone to know how to sew. Right. So just realizing that like some traditional things that happen naturally, um don't have to just be conformed to which gender they are right like i want emily to learn how to mow the lawn and charlie like because it's great for it's just good for them right so when
0: emily gets into mma you're going to support her that's what i just
1: heard. <laughs> oh, Lord, <no. laughs> i'm just messing around <laughs> but trying trying to basically allow their personality like you said like, basically, the biggest difference between the kids is their personality, right? So, trying to not parent them differently because of their gender, especially in what we teach them or the tasks that they're expected to do. And Ryan and I probably have really non-traditional gender roles in our marriage anyway. Mm. Um, which
0: I was I- going to ask you about the way he dresses. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, even before all of... Uh, before I got sick, like he did all of the laundry and that's just a thing and he he does that and he cleans up the kitchen so i do all the cooking and he does all the cleaning up like almost without exception except that he makes waffles on saturday morning and the occasional pan of brownies um but you know like so those are very like defined roles within our household that some of them conform to natural gender divisions and some of them don't and i don't think we care at all like right. And so I guess that's where I would fall It's just like trying to eliminate any bias that would put my kids at a disadvantage by not teaching them skills or expecting things from them, but, um, allowing, you know, general freedom and.
0: So I, you and I have had conversations about gender before this one, usually within the context of larger groups. So it's not just you and I. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, I think we're on the same page in the broad strokes in that like gender exists. It's real. There are gender differences, but also like some sort of wooden, you know, totalitarian approach to gender roles is not healthy. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's somewhere between those two extremes. So it's not like, like gender doesn't exist, but it's also not that we should be, you know, forcing all women to dress the same and do, you know, and men have to do this. And, Mm -hmm. um, man, I lost my question. So, Assuming we agree on that, we <laughs> yeah. do? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was my question is um, because what what I heard you say is you basically are trying to kind of ignore gender in the way that you're teaching your kids. Mm. But how are you actually paying attention to gender in the way that you're raising your kids? Mm. Like, how do you treat Charlie differently because he's a boy in ways that you actually think you should? Or are you not doing that ever at all?
1: I'd have to say probably not in ways that I'm super aware of. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I, I have some uh, guilt about whether we're putting him at a disadvantage for not getting him more enrolled in more sports. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't fear that as much for the girls, but like we we just aren't really a big sports family. And so like yeah. I think maybe we should make more of an effort to get him on a team so he can get some basic skills, you know, and that's – maybe the only area where i feel like there's like a significant like worry that he'll feel more excluded from his peers for not having that then it will affect the girls um sure and not that they don't have sport like they have basketball hoop in the driveway and right um play around with kids in the neighborhood but we've just never been super into organized sports so that's like the main thing that sticks out at me
0: yeah hmm so I think I think may, maybe maybe that's a good place to to push pause in that conversation. I think yeah. you and I will probably end up having another conversation that touches on gender uh, mm-hmm. in front of microphones. Um, so we could we maybe could maybe with say, a couple other yeah right of
1: my, of our friends yeah exactly <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, well yeah. So I don't know. Is there anything else? Anything that we haven't? I I, yeah, I don't even want to read through those questions. But is there anything? Do you think we need to? to discuss or ask or put a period on a thought or something like that before we stop, stop talking.
1: I'm thinking, I mean, I I feel like I have to make this big disclaimer of like, this is me talking about my ideals, obviously in the practical working out of things like, Oh, so much work to do so much growth as a parent. And, um, but like, these are the things we aspire to, right? Like, for our kids and for ourselves. And other than that, I feel like we've really run the gamut already. Here, yeah. I was going to tell you a story. Oh, good.
0: Remember? Yeah. Before I was yeah, like, yeah, oh, I yeah, got yeah. a good story, but I'll save it for it. So, and it's about gender. So I'll, Perfect. I'll tell it. You might respond. So, we, so we might have a little bit more, more conversation <laughs> and then, and then we'll call it. Yeah. So Everyone's this like, is, Oh my gosh, I thought they were done. <laughs> no, I know. You just save, push pause and listen to this tomorrow when you're driving <laughs> to work. Um, when do you listen to podcasts
1: Uh, around the house yeah gardening or cooking. yeah
0: when i'm doing chores that are mindless Mm -hmm. or when i'm driving that's when i listen to podcasts Mm -hmm. um right so zoe zane and aiden Mm -hmm. boy or girl boy boy she would have been probably like nine ish so they would have been like seven and five so that's kind of the ages they were maybe a little younger than that Yeah. Maybe a little younger than that. Anyway. So, um, Zoe at the time was learning to crochet and she was also teaching herself Spanish with, uh, like some CD player CD she got. Right. Anyway. So, so I'm like in the living room with the boys and this is all play. This is fun. Right. And, uh, I don't remember if one or both of the boys were naked, but one of them is naked and one of them is bleeding right? And they're chasing each other through the house and I'm chasing them as they're chasing each other, right? all f- Laughing though, right? Screaming, laughing, blood, nudity. <laughs> I'm like running through the house.
1: Our households are so different. Steve. Right.
0: <laughs> well, but this is the funny thing, right? So I'm like chasing the boys. There's like violence and gore and death and nudity. It's like an X-rated scene. And then I, as I run through the house, I happen to look to my right and there is my daughter. She's like sitting cross-legged, crocheting, <laughs> listening to her spanish like learn spanish I, I swear there was like a sunbeam and like a butterfly <laughs> she had a little halo. you know what i mean yeah it little was halo. like and it was like this this doorway into this other feminine universe where <laughs> oh my, God, <laughs> my daughter existed and i mean she you know she's perfectly capable of blood and gets mm-hmm. although not nudity she is not that <laughs> but yeah it i don't and you know not all women and not all men and all of that but it was this crazy experience for me of you know wow yeah there's some difference there's some differences going on in here
1: yeah and differences that we don't have to fight or train out of them or control it's just like that's who they are and that's 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 amazing in every way
0: the naked warriors (laughs) i wasn't naked perfect little zoe i might have been bleeding (laughs) although yeah i think my daughter has probably injured me more than my son
1: Sounds like another story for another day.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah, I don't know. Anything you want anything else you want <laughs> no, to add? I think I'm good. All right, cool. Well, thanks for doing this. This is yeah, a lot of fun. It was great. All right. Thanks, Christy. Thank you. 242 is a podcast of Buffalo Vineyard Church in Buffalo, New York. To learn more about who we are and get in touch with us at BuffaloVineyard.org. We'd love it if you'd subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us a rating.